help explain a little bit why that's such a recent song, recent development. But I love it. And I love that God has been at work in both of our lives, in the life of this church, bringing us all to this point. So much of the Christian life is about remembering. Remembering what God has done, remembering the mighty acts that he has done, not only in our lives, but in the lives of others. And then we receive these words every time we gather around the people, as we're going to do in a very short while, that as often as we do this, we're going to remember. And my prayer is, today is going to be an Ebenezer moment for you. That this is going to be a moment where you look back and you can say, God has done something wonderful in my life. Great is his faithfulness. So this morning I'm going to read to you from 1 Samuel chapter 7. I'm going to read verses 3 through 14. Hear now the word of the Lord. Then Samuel said to all the house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the astartes from among you. Direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So Israel put away the Baals and the astartes, and they served the Lord alone. Then Samuel said, Gather all Israel at Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord. They fasted that day and said, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. When the Philistines heard that the people of Israel had gathered at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the people of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. The people of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, and pray that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. So Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel. But the Lord thundered. The Lord thundered with a mighty voice that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion. And they were routed for Israel. And the men of Israel went out to, the, to Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them down as far as Bethar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Jashana and named it Ebenezer. For he said, Thus far the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and did not again enter the territory of Israel. The hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, we bow again before you this morning. And Lord, we thank you this day for who you are, for your great love for us. For a love so amazing that you sent your one and only Son on our rescue mission to save us from our sins and to reconcile us so that we might be in a relationship with you. But Lord, as we look over our lives, we see that that is not the only work done in us. Lord, you are changing us. You are making us more like Christ each and every day. You're conforming our attitudes to that of Christ Jesus. You're changing the way that we think, the way that we live, the way that we behave. And Father, we pray that today, as we look at those things that you've done in our lives, that indeed they would be an encouragement, that they 
you thanks and we give you praise. And we ask that you would speak. And we also ask that you give us the ears that we might listen. And now, humbly, Lord, I ask that you would speak through me, or I ask that you would speak in spite of me. But I pray that regardless, your word would go forth and that we, your people, would change because of it. It's in Christ's name that we honor and glory of all these things, and together all God's people said. Well, a few weeks ago, I was sitting in my office at St. Paul. The walls were rather bare, my bookshelves were completely empty, and I was speaking with a man who was sitting across the desk from me, and we were talking about pain. He was telling me about how much of his life has changed over what he said seemed like these last 12 months. He had retired from his job during that time, and he was dealing with those changes, wrestling with what to do with the rest of the time that he now had at his disposal. He was trying to figure out how to use the passions and the skills that he had honed over his life now that he was entering into this season of retirement. But then he said shortly after retiring, guess what happened? COVID affected our world. It threw another change into the mix in this man's life. The world was effectively shut down. There was nowhere to go, nothing to do, and he had no clue what to do now with the extra time he had. And then a few months later, just as things were beginning to return to the new normal, or what seemed like a new normal to him, he said something happened. Health-wise, all of a sudden, something hit me like a ton of bricks, and I went down. He ended up spending a significant amount of time in the hospital, and then when he returned home, he wasn't able to resume normal activity. He had to sit a lot more. He had to try and find less stressful things to do with his life. He had to change his diet, and he had to exercise more. There was still more change that he was experiencing. Needless to say, as we were sitting that day and as we were chatting, I found myself surrounded by stacks of boxes and bins that were filled with stuff that represented a season for change, season of change for us as well. I mean, after all, I was packing up one ministry to leave and embark on another. We were packing and preparing one home for a move. And we were dreaming, even as we were taking the pictures off the walls, of where we would put things in the new house. Where the furniture might land, whose closet was going to house what. See, change, change is something we all face. Change is something that we all experience in life. And sometimes change comes as a result of decisions that we make or things that we desire to pursue in life. Maybe there's a budding relationship that we desire to pursue, and it goes so well that we fall deeply and madly in love with that person, and so we ask them to marry us. And that engagement ends up resulting in a life together. That's a change. Moving from a well-loved apartment with plenty of memories so that you can build a new house and start a new life in a new place where new memories are going to be made and new stories are going to be written, that's change. And it's change that many of us experience. But sometimes change is thrust upon us, isn't it? Sometimes change isn't something that we seek out or something that we hope for in life. Sometimes we receive that unexpected phone call from a doctor after we went to have some routine tests performed, and we know that the moment that we hear that doctor's voice in life is about to change. Or maybe we receive word that the company that we've worked for all these many years is downsizing, and so our job is going to change. It's 
going to be eliminated or maybe it's going to be moved somewhere else. See, change is a fact of life. But like any fact of life, change can be difficult. It can be challenging. It can be frustrating. It can be downright difficult to navigate from time to time. But one of the things that I've taken solace in is that Scripture talks about change. In fact, as we read in Scripture, change seems to be a part of what it means to walk with God. God's people are always on the move. Life is always changing because God is making us new creations in Christ. In fact, it seems that change becomes a natural thing for God's people sometimes. And as a natural part of life, as a natural part of who God has created us to be as his people, it's important that we understand how to respond to change. I mean, we can either respond to change in a way that brings God honor and glory, or we can respond to change in a way that's displeasing to God. I mean, for instance, in today's passage, we have God's chosen people. We have the nation of Israel. And they've been a people on the move from the very beginning. And this morning, I want us to look at just a few snapshots from their lives, a few things that happened as they tried to navigate change. Think with me back to the very beginning. The beginnings that began with a man by the name of Abram. Abram was the father of this bunch, and in Genesis chapter 12, he has this incredible encounter with God. An encounter that forever changes him, an encounter that will forever change his family as he knows it. In fact, at that time, his name was Abram. God had not yet changed it to Abraham. But as a result of that encounter, Abraham did something incredible. He struck out on a journey with God, a journey to the unknown, a journey to a place that God would only later show him. I have to admit, we just came through a season of change, a season of movement. <clears throat> it was one thing to receive a phone call from the bishop and say, you're moving from Manchester to West York, you're moving from St. Paul to Zion. That was pretty easy to wrap our minds around, but I can only imagine if after that phone call I got off and I said to Crystal, hey, you know what? God said move, and I don't know where we're going. I mean, that's, that's a, whole, a whole different layer of change. That's a whole different kind of move. I mean, it makes it much easier to move when we can put an address in the GPS or when we can pull it up on MapQuest or, or Google Maps. I mean, it was easy for us because we could come down here and we could look in the windows or we could drive through the parking lot and look in the backyard. <laughs> Thank you. 
what? Even there in the hardship of Egypt, even there under the scorching sun, God's people did not forget what God had done. They did not forget that God had provided for their ancestors. And in Exodus chapter 2 and in Exodus chapter 3, we see that when they had hard times, when they had difficult times, they called out the Lord their God, trusting that he would move, trusting that he would intercede, trusting that he would save them. And in Exodus chapter 3, God does just that. He comes down and he saves and provides for his people by sending them a leader. A leader by the name of Moses. But again, they knew in whom they believed it, and they were persuaded that their God was able. Great is his faithfulness. And then God's people started to follow Moses, this new leader that he sent. They were leaving behind this hard life in Egypt, this life that none of them wanted this life that none of them enjoyed. And they were venturing to this new wonderful place, a land we're told flowing with milk and honey, a place that was beyond compare in their imagination. Along the way, along the way as they were journeying towards this new place known as the promised land, they forgot about God. They forgot about God's goodness towards them. And beginning in Exodus chapter 16 and continuing on throughout most of the book, they end up whining and complaining. They first begin to whine and complain about the leader that God has given them. They don't like Moses. They don't like his leadership style. They don't like what he's telling them to do. And then they're grumbling and complaining about the leader. turns into grumbling and complaining about God. And at one point, they reach this conclusion, maybe God has brought us out into this desert to die. See, they forgot about God. They forgot about what God had done. They forgot about his faithfulness. They responded to uncertainty. They responded to change by grumbling and complaining. Now, of course, none of us have ever been there, have we? <laughs> we never grumble and complain when things don't go our way. We never forget about God's faithfulness. Well, the good news is eventually there will be a new leader. Moses will be replaced by Joshua, and he becomes the leader of this ragtag group of God followers. And throughout his leadership, at times, Israel's faithful in their relationship with God. Sometimes they love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then there are those other times where they run off and worship foreign gods. And we see that there's this cycle in their relationship. One time they love God, the next moment they don't. It's fickle. And in Judges chapter 2, things kind of reach this crescendo. And this is what the writer of Judges says. It says, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died. He died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnath Perez in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. And after that, the whole generation had been gathered to their fathers. And another generation grew up. And that generation, the writer of Judges says, knew nothing of the Lord or what he had done for Israel. And the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. You see, things continued along the same pattern for God's people. And then it comes to this point in 1 Samuel chapter 7, the scripture I read for us this morning. Well, things finally come to a head. God's people have been loving him half-heartedly. Half-heartedly at best. They can't make up their minds as to whether they're going to worship him or whether they're going to worship Baal. 
They can't decide if they're going to love the Lord their God or if they're going to love all of these foreign gods that are around them. But Samuel, their leader at that point, he comes and he delivers this poignant message. He tells the people they're going to have to choose who they're going to pledge their allegiance to. He tells them that if they're going to serve God, then they have to serve him wholeheartedly. There's no more half-hearted following of him. He says wholehearted following, it means singular focus. It means undivided devotion and loyalty. It will be serving God and He alone. He sets it up as an ever-present, constant reminder 
of God's faithfulness. But not only that, where he sets this monument up is crucial. He sets it up in a very important place. He constructs it, Scripture says, between Mizpah, which is where they have been. He sets it up midway between there and Janasha, which is where they're going. He sets it up between where they've been and where they're going. And again, he names it Ebenezer. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. You see, Samuel, the wise leader, knows human beings. He knows us. And he knows human nature. And he rightly recognizes that we as human beings can be pretty short-sighted, can't we? We can be forgetful. He knows that come tomorrow, we can forget what God has done today. And so he sets up this monument, this reminder of God's faithfulness and provision. But I love that he also recognizes that this monument isn't just about the past. It's not just about what God did for them way back when. It's not just about having this wonderful memory of things that used to happen. No, it's a monument that also becomes a rallying cry for the future. It's a monument that, as they look at it, it says, yes, God has helped us in the past, but he's here helping us today. And you know what? He's going to help us as we move forward in new territory. He's going to walk with us as we move to Jashana and beyond. He's going to walk with us in faithfulness in the future, just as he walked with us in faithfulness in the past and in the present. The question is, that's great for the Israelites, and we understand why they needed that monument. But what does this have to do with us? What, what significance does this Ebenezer possibly have for God? Well, this morning I'm going to bet that in this congregation there are a number of people who are dealing with change. Maybe it's change that you're experiencing. Maybe it's change that your family's experiencing. Maybe you're going through a pastoral change at your church. <laughs> I mean, just a lot. <laughs> or maybe you're facing a change of job. Or maybe there's something going on in the life of your family. Or maybe there's a lot of unknowns. Or maybe your child's getting ready to embark on a new journey called school as as things boot up through the fall. Or maybe your child who's been going to school for a number of years is now venturing into new uncharted territory, middle school and high school. Or maybe you're one of those children who have gone through middle school and high school and now you have an intervention before you. An adventure called college, military service, or the workforce. There's a lot of unknowns before you. There are a lot of strange feelings and frustrations but also joys that come along with this change. Maybe you're entering into a season of sickness from once there was health. Or maybe you're in a season of sorrow and grief. You see, regardless of the particularities of the season, regardless of the particularities of the change that you're facing, I want to say what I said at the beginning. A season of change presents us with an opportunity. An opportunity to decide how we're going to respond to that change. Are we going to respond in a way that brings honor and glory to God? Or are we going to respond in a different way? And yeah, I think like the children of Israel, we can have pretty short memories sometimes. 
the ways that God has provided in the past. And as a result, we can end up trying to do things on our own, in our own time, in our own way. Sometimes we take matters into our own hands. I don't know about you, but as I've tried to do that at different points in my life, I've made a pretty good mess of things. Anyone have that happen? <laughs> right? Human nature gets the better of us. We like to be in control. We like to think we have all the answers. Or another thing that can happen is we can look at a season of change and we can end up becoming so paralyzed by the fear and the frustration and all that's going on that we allow those things to dominate our thinking and we just dig our heels in. And we return to what's familiar, what's safe, what's comfortable. Again, I've been there, I've done that. Maybe you have as well. And I found that when I returned to that which is safe, that which is comfortable, that which is familiar. I miss out on the many blessings that God has out there for me. And maybe have out there for us. So I think that leaves us with one final option. And that's the option that we see in this story from 1 Samuel this morning. Today we can pause and we can remember God's faithfulness throughout the years. His faithfulness that precedes us, his faithfulness that includes us, the many things that he's done in our lives. His faithfulness to us and those we love. And we can pinpoint those times and we can allow them to become a point of thanksgiving for us today. But then we can also allow them to be a catalyst that propels us forward, knowing that if God has walked with us through difficult times in the past and we've emerged on the other side better for it, then surely he can walk with us into that new uncharted territory that he's calling us to. We can move forward with boldness. We can move forward with thanksgiving and joy knowing who he is. And that brings us to these rocks this morning. I'd encourage you, if you found yours this morning, go ahead, grab that, hold that in your hands right now. If you don't have one, we have many more. Uh, we're back, I think, with 300 of these last night, maybe 350. So we have some out in the hallway, but if you did get one, see me after service, and we'll make sure you get one. But this morning, I want you to take it out, if you will, with that plastic bag, or if you want to leave it in there, that's entirely up to you. But this morning, this stone that you hold in your hand is actually a river rock. I thought it was appropriate given what we were just reading. And I want you to take that stone in your hand and I want you to hold it here this morning. And then just for a few moments, right where you are in your view, allow this to be a time of worship. Allow this to be a time of praise and thanksgiving where you just enter into God's presence. And as you hold that stone in your hand, I want you to think about a thus far the Lord has helped me at this moment. Maybe it was a major prayer that you prayed that God answered in a way that you didn't expect. I have some of those. I have some of those thus far the Lord has helped me moments. Or maybe it was a prayer that you were praying for someone else and God showed up in a major way. Or maybe it was a difficult season of life and God granted peace and comfort in ways that you never expected. Or maybe it was a season where God stretched you in ways that never anticipated. God said, go on a mission trip. And you did. And it was life changing. Or maybe it's something else entirely. But use this as an opportunity to give thanks and praise, celebrating a thus far the Lord has helped me more this morning. Praise Him for the many ways that He's helped you. Praise Him for the many ways that 
He has been your rock, your foundation. And as you're doing that this morning, there's a second thing I'm going to encourage you to do. Later today, take this stone, much like Nathan was saying, he took that stone that's now sitting at home in a very prominent place. But take this stone and place it somewhere where you're going to see it regularly. Maybe it means going home and putting this on a shelf. Maybe it means putting it on a shelf in your refrigerator. <laughs> Maybe it means putting it in a cold order in your car. I had a stone that a friend gave me after we had a very similar conversation to this a number of years ago. And I've often just put that stone in my pocket so that every time I reach in for my keys or for some change, my finger brushes up against it. It's actually a rather smooth stone now. But every time I touch that stone, there are a few things that I go back to and I remember of how God has helped me and how God has provided me. But I want you to do that. Put this in some prominent place so that when you're having a difficult or challenging time, or maybe when a season of change gets thrust upon you, look at it. Know that you're not alone. Know that God is there with you, that he loves you, that he cares for you, that he'll be there for you. As you're holding your stone in your hand this morning, let me pray for you, and then we'll move on to our time of communion this morning. Gracious God, as we hold these stones in our hands, we know that they're just ordinary words. There's nothing magical about them. There's nothing special about them other than the fact that they are a monument today. They are a reminder, and today, Lord, you are bringing to our minds answers to prayer. You are causing to us to think of ways that you have been faithful in the past, and Lord, we thank you for those memories. And Lord, we pray that every time we look at these rocks in the future, we would remember your faithfulness, and that because of your faithfulness, we would be able to move forward with courage and boldness into that new territory that you have. No matter how scary it may be, no matter how uncharted it may be, but that we would move forward with confidence and boldness, knowing that you go before us. Knowing that you'll be there with us. And knowing that you are watching out over us. So Father, we give you thanks, we give you praise, and Lord, we pray that this good, pleasing, and perfect work that you have begun in our lives, that you would indeed see us in the glory. These things we ask today that Christ might be honored and glorified, both now and forevermore. And together,